This is the daily lectionary comments for June the 17th. We're going to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, and John chapter 16, beginning at verse 17. Proverbs 17. I'm going to begin with uh, verse 6, that is just a, a beautiful truth. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. You know, it, it just it, it is an expression of a great truth, the love that we have uh, between the generations and the joy it is to have children and to raise children. And such a wonderful gift that God gives to us in our parents and in our children and in our grandparents and in our grandchildren. And truly, the person who chooses not to have children because they want to get a better job or because they want to live in a nicer home and wear nicer clothes and take nicer vacations has truly made a very foolish and heartbreaking choice. Okay, that's verse 6. Now I want to look at verse 3. Verse 3 talks about gold and silver and how gold and silver are refined, made better, made more pure. In order to purify silver, we use a crucible. In order to purify gold, we use a furnace. The human heart is likened to gold and silver that needs refining. And it's not a crucible or a furnace, but it is the Lord himself who tests our hearts, puts us through trying times in order to refine our hearts. So that's also a wonderful uh, truth, a theological truth, which is going to lead us into our next discussion, and that's a discussion of fools. The Lord tests the heart, and by testing the heart, he makes it more pure. He makes it better. He makes it stronger. He makes us wiser. But the fool is impervious to all of this. And we run across in Proverbs, lots and lots of Proverbs regarding fools, and we have several of them here. So let's look at a few. Verse 10 says, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. In other words, you can't even beat good sense and wisdom into a fool. Um, verse 16, why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? The assumption here is that the, the best thing you can do with money is to buy wisdom but why bother with that uh, when you're a fool? Because you won't listen to wisdom because you have no sense. So a fool, once again, is impervious to the blows. It's impervious to being taught. Uh, he's simply uh, impervious to being made better, uh, which is why fools are, well, foolish. Yet all is not lost for a fool. Look at verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So one big problem with the fool is he opens his mouth and demonstrates his foolishness. All right, I want to spend a moment talking about what a fool is. Because we have in our minds two different sort of images of a fool. One is a, a fool is a zany person. And or a fool is a stupid person. A zany person or a stupid person. Now take a look 
at verse 12. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. All right, this also is a common theme of Proverbs and that is fools are dangerous and a fool in his folly, a fool displaying and acting foolishly is a dangerous thing. Now, zany people are not necessarily dangerous. Stupid people are not necessarily dangerous. Zany people acting in a zany way is not always that dangerous. There's something else about being a fool that we really need to watch out for. A fool is somebody who is not wise, not somebody who doesn't have knowledge, not somebody who's not serious, but somebody who lacks wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all knowledge has got to be set within a framework of who God is and what he has revealed to us. If it is not set within that framework, the knowledge ultimately is disconnected from reality. A fool is somebody who will not listen to God and will not order his ways according to the revelation of God. He has no wisdom. And therefore, he may be a very serious person, not zany at all. He may be a very intelligent person, not stupid at all. And yet, because the things he knows and the things he thinks are ultimately disconnected from reality, they are foolish things, and the person is a fool. Think of our nation's universities and how many degrees are strung at the end of these people's names and how much education they have and how erudite they may sound, but how often the things they say are utterly disconnected from reality, even when they sound good. So a fool, the most dangerous kind of fool, is the one who sounds intelligent and erudite and sensible and tolerant, but who in the end is not owing or does not owe to the Lord the source of their knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Instead, they make it up on their own or they rely upon others who have made it up on their own. Their truths are disconnected from reality and they are fools and they are dangerous. The best thing they can do is to remain silent and we can think that they're wise and they won't do any harm. Okay, John chapter 16. Uh, the reading begins at verse 17, but we're going to take a look first and most carefully at verse 23 and 24. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse 26 also says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me. All right. Uh, first off, what does it mean to ask in my name? Well, what that means is that we are coming to the Father and asking him, on, on the count of, or on the basis of our relationship with Jesus. That's what it means. And my name means because you belong to me. Because Jesus says you belong to me, you can ask the Father. And because you belong to me, the Father will hear your prayers. So that's what it means to ask in, your na in, in my name. I want to notice also that an important part of being a Christian is this idea of asking and you will receive. 
this so in other words the things that we need in this world and the things particularly that we need to do for the kingdom of god we are not to assume that they're just going to be dumped on our laps we may have to ask for them but we don't earn them so to speak i mean we may work very very hard but in the end they come to us because we ask and god grants we don't earn them and they don't just dump in our laps but we ask and god grants and that's a beautiful way in which jesus describes a relationship with the father and our work together with him in this world he takes care of us the third point here is this point that's made in verse uh, uh, 26 and 27 uh, up until now um I do not say that you ask the Father, uh, that, that you're going to ask in my name and I ask the Father in, in, on your behalf. Uh, no, ask the Father yourself because he loves you. We don't want to think of coming, Jesus being a mediator is like Jesus is a relay man. We talk to Jesus, Jesus talks to the Father. The Father talks to Jesus, Jesus talks to us. Jesus is not a relay man relaying our messages to the Father. He's the one who opens the door. Because of our relationship with him, the door to the Father stands open, and we may go directly to the Father. Note that we go directly to the Father because we belong to Jesus. So there's still Jesus is the mediator, but it's a, it's a brand new relationship between us and the Father because Christ is our high priest, and we're going to talk about that more tomorrow.